Welcome to the Everesting Podcast, built by Corey. In this episode, I'm interviewing Jonathan Hogue, who has just completed an Everesting. In fact, I think when we recorded this, he was about 48 hours uh, out of completing his Everesting, which might be the freshest I've had anybody off of a finish. Jonathan actually used his Everesting as a training ground for a 4,400-kilometer mountain bike race called the Tour Divide, which goes from Banff, Alberta to the Mexico-New Mexico border. If anybody listens to this podcast with any regularity or my other podcast, Adventure Audio, you know that I am really captivated by that race. It starts about an hour from my front door, uh, something I'm definitely going to do at some point uh, in my life. And uh, Everesting is absolutely perfect for it. It is super, super climby uh, out in on that route. So Jonathan used an Everesting, a winter Everesting, uh, no less, in March in Alberta, Canada. Uh, to uh, provide some training and he is also starting to already scheme about putting together a 10k roam so Jonathan is awesome total badass super happy to have him on and more importantly than that he is raising money uh, by racing the tour divide for an organization called Rocky Mountain Adaptive who are based in the Bow Valley who do really incredible work I will let Jonathan describe what they do and how you can support his cause uh, in the episode but I will put in a link to his GoFundMe in the show notes Definitely one of the coolest things about Everesting is the way that people use uh, use it as a means to support charities. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the State Bicycle Company. You can check them out at statebicycle.com. Uh, and if you use code AUDIO100, you'll get 100 bucks off of a bike right now. They have bikes starting at $399, so that is a significant chunk of money. So AUDIO100, you can use that at statebicycle.com. And check them out for all kinds of cool parts and apparel. On to this episode with Jonathan Hogue. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Okay. Jonathan Hogue, welcome to the Everesting Podcast. Thanks for doing this. So this is uh, a little bit different. A little bit different because I'm I'm catching you like right fresh, fresh off of an Everesting, which I don't always get to do on this show. So it's a little bit more fun. You're still sort of in the ether. Um, You're probably just past swearing it off forever and into considering doing another one of some variety. That's usually (laughs) what happens to people. (laughs) There's this emotional arc with it. But um, as as background, and I want to get this out early in the episode, because this is, I think, a really important piece of this is that we originally met on the Adventure Audio podcast, which I now co-host with LaVal St. Germain. And we we hosted you because you are taking on the tour divide. So I'm going to just give people a quick snapshot of that, of what that is, because I think it's very important for context. A lot of ultra endurance cyclists who listen to this will know what that is, but it is a mountain bike race from Banff, Canada, which is right by where you live, uh, all the way to the New Mexico border, which I believe covers a little over 4,400 kilometers and 65,000 meters of climbing. Is that about right? So 2,600 miles and 200,000 feet. Yeah, um, it's yeah four thousand four hundred eighteen ish, and the elevation's just under sixty one thousand meters of of gain. Okay, and now yeah. some people take the entire summer to do this route. Like this is it's very it's akin to riding across Canada or the United States uh, for many mm-hmm. people. But there is a race version of that that ride, which is exactly what you're participating in. So you're planning to do this completely self supported. And it is a bikepacking race. So this is not supported. It is not a comfortable tour. It is very rugged, very remote. So I strongly encourage people to spend a little bit of time on YouTube to educate themselves on what exactly that is. And the reason that we want to give you as much exposure as possible on both podcasts is that you are raising money for Rocky Mountain Adaptive, 
Uh, that's what you're doing the race for, and you are trying to raise a million dollars. And the concept behind this is not to have anybody donate a particularly large sum, although they're certainly welcome to, yes. but it's more strength in numbers, right? So if you yes, that's a right. million people who are compelled to donate a dollar, we we achieve the same goal. So I wanted to, I wanted to put that out there on the onset. We're gonna I'm gonna include how to donate in show notes. I think it's amazing what you're doing. And so that's what the true divide is. Maybe you can just spend one one minute on what Rocky Mountain Adaptive is, and then we can talk Everesting. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, and thanks for having me. I was really excited to get on this one. It, uh... My pleasure. Okay, you do an Everesting and hit me up, man. You'll probably get on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that's an open invitation to people. There's a couple of times during the Everesting challenge where it got tough and I thought, well, if I don't make it, then I'm not gonna get on the podcast. So you I gotta to go, have, gotta keep going. It's a key tip though, right? Is to have some sort yeah. of mental well to go back to. So like, I think that fundraising is a huge one. You put it out there and you get people to donate. And when you're in the depths of despair and, you're, and you just wanna lay down on the side of the road and have a nap, you have that, that well to draw on. So, it, and it doesn't mm -hmm. matter what your motivator is, but it's very important to have it when you need it. Yeah, yeah, my friends say it's important to have a why, why you do and whatever it is that's hard. And so what, yeah, the Tour Divide race is uh, something that came on my radar after I broke my leg. And uh, I just started some volunteering with Rocky Mountain Adaptive. And when I decided to do the Tour Divide race, I wanted to bring Rocky Mountain Adaptive along with me because it's such a great organization. And what they do is they help people with physical and, and neurodivergent divergent <laughs> uh, disabilities to get out and enjoy 23 different outdoor mountain activities, anywhere from disc golf to sit skiing, uh, mountain biking, hiking. If someone wants to do it, it doesn't matter what their disability is, Rocky Mountain Adaptive finds a way to make it happen. And they rely heavily on volunteers and donations to do this. It's an organization that started in someone's living room and now they have an office and a shop and it's expensive to make it all happen for people, but they do whatever they possibly can to, to make it happen. So I'm, yes, I'm raising, a, I'd like to raise a million dollars. The campaign is called Dollar for a Difference because together all of us doing a little thing can make a big difference and that's actually a philosophy that i apply in our, my training i tell people a little every day goes a long way so i'm outside every day even if it's 10 20 minutes that's all i have time for just a walk outside but i'm outside and i'm doing it and that makes um, it possible to do bigger things and that philosophy is helps the dollar for a difference make sense if someone donates a dollar or more but then shares that they did that with the people that they know, it gives them an opportunity to also chip in a little bit. And then together we make a massive difference for this organization. That's right. So it's the dollar and then the share, right? We exactly. Donate a dollar, but we need you to tell 20 people because four or five of them might listen and donate yeah. their dollar and tell their 20 people, right? That's how it's gonna work. Exactly. And I have a GoFundMe campaign, which you'll you'll put in the notes, as you said. And GoFundMe is great because uh, when people donate enough, they get a tax receipt instantly. And through GoFundMe, um, there's all kinds of options to share through social media and just spread the word. Yeah, it's all it's all kind of linked to hyperlinked, right? So it's very easy to share and spread. Yes. Okay, yeah. awesome. So now let's circle back to the Everest thing that you yeah. just did. So 
Everesting is, is, is a weird phenomenon in that people take it on for completely different reasons. Uh, they're compelled to do it. They, they, they hear about it from some, maybe some fringe thing and it kind of comes into their periphery. It seems like you first heard about it just like a month ago, uh, six, six, eight weeks maybe from Laval and I. So Laval is also an Everester. Mm -hmm. And um, instead of this being, I mean, you thought, hey, this is a super cool challenge to do, but you also decided to just build it into your training for the True Divide, right? You're like, this is perfect. It's, it's kind of exactly what I need because I need to go really deep into the well day after day after day out on the divide road, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. When I learned about it from from your podcast, because it was in the, in the bio for you on okay. the Adventure Audio podcast where it talked about Everesting, like, what the heck is that? And I tell you, once I understood what it was, it grabbed my brain and said, you got to do this. Similar to when I learned about the divide, like, oh, that's a crazy big thing that I just got to do it. That has happened and, to literally thousands of people all over the world because they're like, what, any hill? Wait a minute. And then, yeah. you, and then you're off, right? Yeah. Um, the crazy thing I thought about is, well, shoot, there's... Um, there was a virtual day for the Everesting Challenge in February, I believe. And I thought, well, I don't want to do this virtually because I can't stand being on a wind trainer <laughs> more than three or four hours. And, but he, it's in, I'm in Canada and it's winter outside. So that's, I was definitely going to get to that point. Yeah. Sure. So, but the, the Tour Divide thing starts in June. So I'm going to have to do this no matter what the weather and conditions are. So I just found a date that worked in my schedule and picked it and just told everyone, it doesn't matter, rain, snow, shine, cloud, I have to do it on this day. So I was prepared for whatever the weather might be, including having a fat bike with studded tires if it happened to snow overnight or all day long. I was just gonna which would have been do it so hard now and you you yeah. did have a nice day but let me be clear it was definitely still winter in Canada this this is absolutely a winter Everesting yes when I started it was minus 11 centigrade that counts. And that's well, that's a winter ride when I was doing my uh, I did some training repeats on that hill and I did like three or four just kind of get a feel for what it's like and then I did 10. And I thought, oh man, do, can I do this nine more times, <laughs> times 10? And yeah, it's, it was pretty wild. But um, fortunately, uh, I had the gear, the bike. Well, that's a bit of a story. I didn't have really the right bike. <laughs> but I, I had what I needed to be able to do this successfully, including a massive amount of support from my friends, uh, including a couple of other people who are also racing the Tour Divide this year. And uh, a fellow, uh, Dave, David Segal, he works for Rocky Mountain Adaptive and Bowhead. And Bowhead creates um, adaptive mountain bikes for people with disabilities. He's training for some gravel races. He has an amazing story. And he came out, he did, I think he spent five hours doing repeats with me. Uh, it was awesome. I'd say so a giant he, ride in its, in its own right. Yeah. So I don't know the exact time. I really didn't pay attention to how long people were with me. Um, they, they came and went a little bit, but he's on a hand hand pedal bike with a bit of battery assist but he was working hard and it was just so inspiring to have him there with me and and everyone else who was just you know they're doing their their training because everyone was training for something and more or less and just to be there for me in fact like 
I was telling my best friend, I didn't even listen to music until the nighttime. And then a friend showed up to ride with me through the night. So I only listened to music probably for a total of an hour or two out of the whole thing because I had support with me. And you had company that, and conversation pretty much all the yeah, time. Yeah, it was so good. So good. Okay, so, so tell me about, um, yeah, so to me, that like that's the first challenge is that the divide is in June. So that is, if you are not from Western Canada, I'll describe that early June is still, can be very treacherous. You can have lots of snow up in some of the higher paths that you're gonna go up and over. So to your point, I mean, this was as good of mental training as it was physical training to be out there in a sort of conditions be damned attitude, which I love. But tell me about the hill selection because you live in the Bow Valley, which is beautiful but it does have some sunny opportunities and then some very shady opportunities, which can obviously really impact road conditions. So like, did you know right away what you wanted to pick for your hill or did you just scout it out a bit? Okay, um, that's a really good question. So um, I have uh, one of my sponsors is Cycling 101. They do bike fitting here in the Bull Valley. Um, Ryan Draper is his name. And uh, Ryan's um, the last of my five um, sponsors to uh, join on to help out uh, me personally with the tour divide preparation. And can I just do a little shout out to the other sponsors while I have? Please, yeah, please do. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Mountain Pod is uh, a massage and yoga studio. And Dana is my um, uh, a sponsor. She provides me with a free massage once a month uh, for the last six. Well, it'll be for six months that she's doing that. And she actually was the one who did the night ride with me from 11.30 till about 3, 3.30 in the morning on the Everesteen Challenge. Um, Baker Tilly, uh, my life partner, Chris, um, she's a partner there. And it's, it's a national firm. Um, they're a sponsor, uh, helping me out with the bike. And the Van Fairporter is the official transportation for the Tour Divide. And they, uh, they're also helping out together with Baker Tilly to help me get a bike. For the tour divide and then um, outside bike and ski in canmore they're helping me to get the bike as well <laughs> uh, just and get gear and get some uh, trail repair repair training just to make sure i have all the gear that i need and so i, I appreciate all my sponsors for helping out um, but going back to hill selection so when i decided I wanted to do the Everesting challenge i just sent it out to a bunch of people including ryan draper and ryan so well, where are you going to do it? And I was thinking about in Banff, uh, the, the road that goes up to Mount Norquay Ski Resort is one I've done a lot of riding on. And uh, I thought that would be a really good one because it's close to home. It's it's a good hill. It's, um, it's, it's on the north side of the valley. So yeah, it's sunny side. Sun. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, Ryan geeked out on it and... Um, did a bunch of, of research and he said, well, that's the wrong hill for all these reasons. Where you want to go is just east of Canmore a little bit towards uh, Dead Man's Flats. And there's a resort up there called uh, Bathgate Mountain Resort. And the, um, he said that's the better road to do because it's a steady climb. It's short. It's when it's cold. Uh, you just don't want to be racing down to the, to the bottom of the hill for too long because you'll get too cold. Whereas a short hill like this, uh, you're down in two and a half minutes. Um, uh, you'll, you might get a bit chilly, but instantly you'll start warming up. 
And that's exactly what happened. So it's a hill that's a gravel road, which it's not as fast for being efficient. It's not. Like, like Mount Norquay would be. Yeah. And uh, definitely road bike tires are out of the question. But I also like that selection because the Tour Divide has a ton of gravel roads. And yeah. so I might as well just train how I'm going to ride that tour. So it's a road that starts where I turned around. It was a bit of a, a, a gradual rise, but then it, it increased to about 9% grade um, for a short bit. And then right near the end, which is ideal, it tapered off a little bit to around 7% grade, maybe even 6 so that I, I started with a bit of a warm-up, I got hard, and then tapered off so that I accelerated to the turnaround point. And okay. at the top of the road, there's a, a, a little parking area where I had a camper van with supplies. And so I can do a bunch of repeats, then go and get some food. Perfect. Or water, Perfect. whatever I needed. Yeah. And I think this hill was quite a bit steeper than Norway too, wasn't it? Norquay has some steep spots, um, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, like right at the very start of Norquay, it's it's really steep. But Norquay levels off quite a bit in a few it does. spots. In the turns, and, it levels off a lot, and you lose. Like I think it averages slightly under six percent. So you need to okay. ride it. I, it's over three hundred kilometers that you need to ride to complete an Everesting on Norquay. Yeah, um, which is a lot. I, I did I did over three hundred k in my Everesting and when I do another one, it will definitely be a steeper hill because it's just time. Like it's the same elevation, yeah. but if the, if the more kilometers, it just takes more time. And for me, and I think we'll get to this too, because we've texted a little bit since you did it. It's just tiring. It's obviously tiring because of the energy expenditure, but the, the elapsed time makes it very challenging, right? It does. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I went just up to about 200 kilometers or just over 200 kilometers. Um, yeah, so, so which that yeah. saved a ton of time, although you're adding time with the with the surface. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And I and I wondered a bit like yeah, maybe Norquay's um longer, but I could move faster so I could get the elevation faster. But I don't know. Just get out and do do a hill. <laughs> Take one totally. up. Or do do both and then you can compare yeah. them, right? Now I'm thinking about the the ten thousand Rome challenge and I've got a, a route planned out for that. <laughs> okay, well, and we'll touch on that. We'll too, get to that. I'll let you go. But anyway, so how did the, the day go? So you got started, and you did, so you knew that was the hill. You're like, okay, this is this is a good mix for steepness. I've got safe turnarounds. People can yep. find me. I'm not dropping some pin in the forest for people to <laughs> support. Like it was easy to get to, easy That's to set right. up support. Um, it does look like you had a pretty good day weather-wise, although a cool start, but like calm, not too windy and stuff. And then just tell, just tell me how the day went. You were out there for 38 hours total? Or yeah, you know moving. you're riding for 30, but then prep everything else totaled to about 38? Yeah, so my moving time on Strava was just over 20 hours, um, but I was out there for 30 hours. And so the day started out on Saturday. I knew some people were coming for sure, for sure. I just didn't know when. Um, so I just, I'm doing my own thing. It's my own event. Uh, so at just before nine o'clock, I started doing repeats. And then uh, I had a couple under my belt when um, uh, a new friend of mine, uh, Justin Hedega, who's also an Everester, he did that on okay. Highway 66 um, in Kananaskis. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, on a road bike. So um, 
anyway, he's doing the tour divide and, and he showed up. And so we were doing a bunch of hill repeats together and he's full of information. You know, he, lo- he won the lost elephant race, which is a, a bike packing race. Mm-hmm. And so he has, he has way more experience than I have, but he has a ton more experience. I'm a weekend warrior. I've gone bike packing like two times and one night each. So like, I'm really just kind of jumping into this. So we, it was really awesome to have some time alone with him where he could talk and share his experience and knowledge and, and, and I'm just grab all these little golden nuggets and stick it in my pocket for, for what I need to do. Um, after, um, and then some more people showed up, another fellow, um, Stuart from Calgary, who's also doing the tour divide and then David showed up and, and then had a couple of friends show up. Um, so there was five of us doing hill repeats. And uh, it was awesome. Uh, Steve from Advent- uh, from My Back 40 podcast, yeah. he showed up. Steve O'Shaughnessy, shout out to Steve. I saw that on social media. Yeah, I've favorites. never met him in person. So um, it was neat to have him show up because he also interviewed Justin, right? Yeah. So there's five of us and we're just doing these repeats. And, and Justin was great. He said, Jonathan, don't wait for us. Keep doing your hills. Do- and when we come down, we'll just turn around and we'll come up with you. Like, we're here for you. And when he's, when he said that to me, he just gave me a green light. Like, yeah, I'm just going to keep doing my thing. If I need to stop, I stop. They can keep doing repeats if they want. And, and but it was just really good camaraderie. Um, so the, yeah, so I started was minus 11, but this road gets sunlight. And when we're going down, we're like zigzagging around all the ice patches and I just tried not to fall. Luckily, yeah. we all had studded tires, but it was a zigzag down the hill because we're going 55 to 60 kilometers an hour. And and the surface changes completely for people who haven't ridden on gravel roads like that. Yeah. From minus 11 till you got to probably, what, plus four or five? Like plus nine. That's a completely um, different road. Yeah. So there's Road-to-day. washboards. We're trying to like find the line for smooth, no ice. And... Um, and then the sun comes out and starts to warm up and then the water's coming out. So then we're just getting sprayed and like, we're just plastered with mud and just loving it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we just kept doing these repeats. Anyway, at Justin's pretty wise guy. Uh, we, um, I didn't want to go out hard. I just wanted to be steady. Something I thought was sustainable. And after the first 2000 meters of climbing, he said, man, like we're doing five laps per hour like um or hang on what i said yeah five five repeats per hour he said that's not sustainable you really need to dial it back a little bit and it was feeling really good um but i did dial it back to about four and uh, man, i'm so glad to have him there he said when he did his everesting he was doing about uh, he had longer um repeats but he was doing about four an hour and then it turned into three <laughs> And then it turned into two because he's just so knackered. And so that just rang in my ears like, okay, I got to dial it back. And no matter what, just keep moving. And yeah, so that started out really strong. I had people come and go throughout the day. Um, I rode by myself at times as well. And the weather, yeah, the road thawed out and got totally wet everywhere. So there's no avoiding anything. So we're just getting plastered and then it froze up again. <laughs> Yeah. And you had a significant portion of night riding. I mean, you would have had like eight eight plus hours in the dark, right? 
Yeah. 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 Okay. So what was your light setup like? Like how, how many lumens is your headlight? So I had a, my headlight, I think it's 800 lumens. Okay. And then I had a handlebar light that was um, 1500 lumens. Okay. And oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. That's the big yeah. dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That needed some yeah. juice for sure. Um, yeah. But I only mostly used, uh, I didn't use both all the time. Um, I tried to stagger that out a little bit. And I had a little tail light as well because it, there's a resort there and there's people coming and going, even through the night. It's bizarre. Um, and yeah, the night was tricky. Yeah. Um, and this just keep moving mentality just rang in my head. And having the, the mindset of um, every step I take is just making me that much better for the next step I have to take. So through the night, it was weird. My body just wanted to sleep so badly. And when I would do the turnarounds, there'd be a little gradual part. And then it would start to get steep into that 9% grade. And eventually, I just had to, had to walk. And I'd walk past the, that part. And then when it leveled off or started to ease up a bit, I would hop on the bike and, and pedal through. And when Dana showed up to ride with me, she's like, yeah, do whatever you need to do, you just keep moving. Uh, if you're doing the tour divide, you're gonna have to hike a bike and do bike push-ups, right? So this is perfect practice for you, like just to know that it's okay to not be pedaling, but moving. So I I just bought into all that and just thought, okay, that's okay. And I don't, the night just turns into a blur because I'm just I'm moving, I'm, I'm taking more breaks, I'm taking longer breaks, but I can't sleep. And so I'm standing in the camper van in these awkward positions. And there's a mouse in the end of the dashboard. And so I'm listening to the mouse to distract me. And like my, my friend calls me up and it's like, man, you sound like you're in a weird headspace. <laughs> and then I just have to get out and keep going. And because I didn't want to get too cold and just keep just keep going. So anyway, um, through the night, there was a lot of walking. But then when the sun comes up, the, the rhythms in the body just kick into a different gear. They do. And all this, so just to give an example, like when I started doing repeats, I was doing like from top to bottom to top again, like between 13 and 14 minutes. And then obviously that slowed up a bit. But when the sun came out, I was doing like close to 13 minute repeats again. And you've been I, out there for 24 hours, right? It's crazy. Yeah. I try and, and, and having to walk because I can't even pedal. And all of a sudden the sun comes up and I'm pedaling like I was when I started. So from 7,000 meters to 8,000 meters, I was feeling really strong. I was by myself too. And I was just hammered it all out. And then uh, my, a very good friend of mine, uh, uh, Jody, she's one of the co-owners of the Banff Airporter. She called and said, hey, I'm coming up. What do you need? And I said, I don't know. Come on up and ride. So she's up there, and and she did the last um, last run of uh, ten repeats with me to, to get over nine thousand meters. And it was good to have her there, just chatting. And I walked a little bit, but most of the time I pedal. I pedaled the last two for sure. Uh, she said it's kind of funny. I had a phone call from my one of my ex, my ex wife, and she's like, "Hmm, you went really fast during that phone call. Like you didn't even gear down." <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Um, anyway, we just, yeah, we just made it through um, and got her done. Awesome. Congratulations. 
that Thank is a you. pretty badass bike ride, especially considering conditions, environment. Um, it's not not lit at all. I mean, you're definitely in the woods. Like that's oh, yes. a hard, hard spot to do it in. So this has all led you to think about even doing a 10K, right? A Rome now? You're thinking about trying to squeeze that in before the divide? Yeah, I am. So wow. this last wow. weekend, my- Don't my, overtrain. No, 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 I won't. Um, but this last, on the weekend, my, my plan A goal was a 10,000. I wanted to get there. Okay. Um, but then that plan A turned into plan B because plan A was just, just do at least the minimum. So much, too many hours, too many yeah. hours. I mean, you would have been another, you ended, did you do 9,400 meters? 9,300. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I had seven more there. laps, like another five hours or more. It depends how fast I could go. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's getting dangerous. You've been out there an awful long time, awake for a long time. Before we get into the realm, just a little bit more. Any hallucinations or are you hallucination-free? Yeah. Hallucination-free, okay. but the weirdest thing happened. So uh, my partner, Chris, took me out for her steak dinner. So good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I didn't go to bed until after like 38 hours of being awake. So we went for dinner and and I went to pick up the fork and my thumb just folded into my palm and I couldn't open it. I had to use my other hand to pry it open and it kept slipping back in. And then my other, my other finger started contorting like my fingers. And then the other hand, like all my fingers were just contorting. I'm like, what the heck is going on? I press and open them up and they contort some more. And I, it was just the weirdest dinner to try and use my utensils. Uh, it's that stopped after you know by the next morning but just a weird thing but no hallucinations i was i was wondering if i was going to have hallucinations but 38 hours is pretty deep so i'm 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 kind of surprised you you didn't <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's probably good good news for the divide okay so yeah. you're thinking about trying to piece together a rome contained within the bow valley yes yeah okay. so um there's a there's a route that i i do and I've never really, really paid attention to how long it is or anything, but uh, it's just in Banff. It goes in Banff. It goes up to Lake Manawanka, up to the Mount Norquay Ski Resort, um, up to the Hot Springs, around the Tunnel Mountain Campground. And uh, each lap is about 1,500 meters in a bit. And oh, it's that much, eh? Okay. It's, it's okay. that I'm much. I'm to map this because now you've, you've definitely piqued my interest. Yeah. Okay. And it's like... 51 kilometers or so so eight repeats of this and that that could be the challenge the rome challenge okay interesting okay okay i'm gonna nerd out on that that's yeah uh, that'd be a good ride and you do that on a road bike that's right that yeah it'd be on a road bike and um my best friend's house is just off route uh, so Perfect. i i can I could crash there if I need to, or bring the camper van and stick it somewhere and and, and use that as a as a place to to snooze. Okay, well, I'm staying tuned. Okay, yeah. Okay, I'm I'm not committing to it, but I'm looking for some dates just to see. <laughs> yeah, or do it when you get back from the divide as a cool down. Yeah, because <laughs> reality is, like the divide has seven Everests in it, so. It may seem like a lot to do one now, but why not? I uh, look at Lael Wilcox. She rode from Alaska before doing the Tour Divide and took a week off. 
and then smashed the women's record and then rode back again a few weeks later after finishing the divide to break the record again. So I'm not Lyle Wilcox by any means, but if I do another, try another Everstein, and if I don't make it, it's it'd be really good training. But I think the most important thing is to taper off before the Tour Divide and make sure that um, I've got the recovery. Yeah, I think that's a really good plan. And try, yeah. Actually try and gain a couple pounds, which would probably be fun. Uh, you're going you're <laughs> to be long gone by the time you get to the end of Montana. Yes, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Jonathan, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate you making the time. I know I know, we're going to circle back and have more chats for sure. I can tell that already. Uh, but if I don't uh, connect with you deeply before June, have an amazing ride. We're going to do everything we can to spread the word uh, and get the fundraising info out there. And if you need anything, hit me up. I appreciate that. Thanks again so much. And uh, hey, everybody, pleasure. get out there and do it. It's totally doable. I'm a weekend warrior. I'm, I'm not a professional rider whatsoever, um, but it's doable. Just plan it out and, and go for it. Just keep moving forward. That's it. You, you got it. Thanks, Jonathan. Take care. Uh, you, you too. Take care, Pete. Another big thank you to Jonathan for spending some time with me on the podcast. Once again, want to remind everybody to visit the show notes to find Jonathan's GoFundMe or just search him, go to GoFundMe and search Jonathan Hogue, H-O-G-G, and you will find him and his campaign. Uh, which is called Dollar for a Difference. So again, the point is more for you to spread the word than actually donate a large sum of money. Uh, it's it's intended to get a uh, massive reach. That's the whole point of the campaign and, and Jonathan's strategy behind it. So we appreciate anybody's help and support in doing so. Lastly, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, the podcast is growing. We're chipping away at it and we are gaining new listeners and we know that that is because of your efforts in helping spread the word. So if you know somebody who is an Everester or an aspiring Everester or an endurance athlete and would enjoy the content here, please let them know about it. And then of course, if you're able to uh, spread the word via social media, it's a very powerful tool. And lastly, we really love to hear from you. So it's podcast at everesting.com. Uh, that will reach us directly. So if you have any questions for myself, for Andy, anybody else in the Everesting community or something that you'd like to hear or comment on from the podcast, let us know. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll be back soon.